Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. On this show, we share Ginger's journey and speak with subject matter experts about a variety of dementia-related topics. Ginger, a former English teacher and librarian, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. This diagnosis has changed her world and has given her a unique perspective on life and living. I'm Christoph, Ginger's son and full-time caregiver. I've created this podcast as a way to share the best practices I'm learning about caring for a person with dementia. Along the way, we'll document my mother's journey through her unique storytelling. You can subscribe to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast and find all the resources we discuss at lwalz.com. In this episode, I speak with Claudia Schwinzer about sundowning. She is a care counselor for Alzheimer's Association and provides help to caregivers who want advice on how best to take care of a loved one with dementia. I continue the conversation with my friend Jordan Gilliam, who has many years of experience in caregiving. And finally, we wrap up the conversation by talking to Ginger about her perceptions regarding sundowning. Well, hi, Claudia. Um, I am glad that you could join me today to uh, talk about sundowning because it's a topic that uh, I knew zero about uh, when my uh, parents were diagnosed with dementia. And uh, so it was a whole new thing. Sunsetting, sundowning, what is going on? You know, so sundowning uh, has definitely been part of my experience taking care of my mom. So could you first start, though, uh, and just kind of describe your general role with Alzheimer's Association as a care counselor? Sure. Okay. So um, as a care counselor, I work uh, specifically within our care and support department. Um, and so as a caregiver, I work directly with caregivers, sometimes families, you know, so I'll speak with like three, two family caregivers, um, who are caring for somebody living with dementia and we help to, uh, set goals related to their caregiving journey. Um, so we'll do an assessment and we work together to create a care plan. And in that care plan is where we list those specific goals that they have, and then uh, some action steps that they can take to reach those goals. We work on a whole different range of topics. Um, Everything from, you know, understanding the cognitive changes that are happening, relating the actual changes in the brain to symptoms that they're seeing, uh, brainstorming some solutions. And uh, of course, that includes, you know, sending them resources, referrals, information that they need uh, to be a more confident caregiver. It's a great program. It's free. Um, it usually lasts sometime or, sometimes around like six months, mm-hmm. um, but we offer regular check-ins and support. Right. And I had a care counselor uh, when I started out. Uh, this, again, is because my daughter did some digging and uh, found a person here in Grand Rapids area, who was Mm -hmm. a representative for Alzheimer's Association, Michigan chapter. And she was our first care counselor, even kind of before we really knew what was going on or that anybody would be the caretaker. We were just looking at what are the best next steps. 
Uh, And she helped us with that. And then when I actually came into the role as caregiver for my mom, then Mm -hmm. I had a care counselor again. Uh, And that was just a phone uh, relationship. Uh, but it was, you know, phone and email and, uh, wow, all the things that I wasn't really ready for yet as a caregiver, Mm -hmm. they helped me, uh, figure out where those, um, information gaps were and where I hadn't really thought about some safety issues or, you know, uh, uh, a schedule that would make sense and how to keep my mom engaged and what various ways to do that, et cetera. So, uh, very helpful for me. Uh, to oh, get <laughs> going and be successful. So I appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so since you do provide this um, guidance and some, even some counseling for caregivers as they're taking care of someone who is suffering from dementia, I'm sure the topic of sundowning comes up. So can yeah. you just tell me what is it? What is sun, sundowning? Sure. Okay. So... And I can get a little chatty, so if I talk too fast or anything, oh, information is down. good. I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> circle back around if we. Okay. Um, so sundowning is a bit of a misnomer, right? Because when you think of sundowning, you think of like the evening time, yep. you think of dusk. Um, so sundowning, it refers to a collection of symptoms that can come about in a specific time of the day. And typically it's a pattern, right? You'll see it day after day, Mm -hmm. um, kind of arise around the same time of day. Um, But the reason I say it's a bit of a misnomer is because it really can't appear in the early afternoon, like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. and beyond. Um, And, you know, some things to look out for with sundowning, uh, you know, heightened agitation, confusion, restlessness, pacing, kind of those like anxiety fueled Mm -hmm. behaviors, um, repetitive behaviors. Um, And for some people too, it can manifest as like a shutting down. So you're just not wanting to move, not wanting to talk or communicate, just sitting um, and not responding to any stimuli. So it can appear as many different behaviors, um, but generally it's around that that certain time of the day. but we believe sundowning to be caused by fatigue and exhaustion, um, which is why it appears right around like the afternoon to the evening time. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when you think about, you know, what somebody with dementia has had to do that whole day, they got up, they've had to function in an environment with caregivers, talking to them, having to think about what do I do with this? What's breakfast? What do, how do I eat this? you know, all of these different things that are going on in their head and having to keep up with this environment and with people around them. Once it hits like, you know, that afternoon, evening time, they're really tired. They're mentally tired, emotionally tired. And that tiredness and exhaustion can fuel confusion and anxiety. And that's when you start to see all of these symptoms. Okay. All right. That, that does make some sense. Um, Yeah. I think that my mom has expressed being tired. Like, Oh, I should, I just need to lay down at that time where she is starting to fade cognitively. Um, you know, her connection to the now seems to, you know, to fizzle, uh, and sometimes really quickly. Um, so, do we know what kind of environmental factors trigger sundowning? I mean, is it, 
So we talked about that it's not really related to sunlight per se, but you've got the person's circadian rhythm, you've got whatever number of activities they did that day and how tired they might be in general physically, or as you say, mentally, because they're working Mm -hmm. so hard to keep all the details as straight as they can. So what what else is is it like too much stimulation in the volume wise, you know, too much going on? What what other kinds of things can trigger it? Sure. Um, So it certainly can be more than just like fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, There can be environmental triggers, too. Um, You know, for example, if you think about like in that time of day, let's say in the evening time, there could be a lot of shadows and somebody who's seeing these shadows and they have dementia maybe misinterpreting them Mm -hmm. and it causes fear or it could cause anxiety. Um, And there could also be too some other internal things going on. You know, they're mixing up day and night um, and they could be absorbing or taking note of stress around them. So if they have quite a few people around them or even just the one caregiver who's stressed and anxious or just going, 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 Mm -hmm. that too could cause the confusion and the agitation to come up. Um, And you might also see two people maybe like mixing up dreams with reality Mm -hmm. and that can cause confusion too. um, And some other sleep disturbances that can manifest right around that time. Okay. Yeah. That, that rings true as well. And I mean, my mom has even conflated um, a person in a TV show and the conflict Mm -hmm. that is in the drama scene as being real and how, how are we going to take care of that? You know? Um, and then we'll talk, you know, that's just a TV show, mom. And you know, it's one of your favorites, but they'll, they'll be all right. The next episode, they'll have a different drama thing and it'll be all right. too. But in that moment, you know, she really feels like it's, It's yeah, it's real. And it's something that she needs to do something about. And then she can get frustrated because she can't do anything about it. And that does seem to like, you know, ramp up other, you know, agitation kinds of things. So very interesting. Yeah. And I, and I've wondered about that, um, for her, she loves to read, but when she gets fatigued in the evening, then reading is much more difficult. So then she'll switch to watching TV and I've really tried some lower keys, uh, more soothing kinds of programming, even you know, like, uh, touring Europe, you know, there's plenty of things on, on cable and, you know, streaming and the like that, um, you you can do some things, travel the world, um, and, yeah. you know, a nature show about pandas, you know, whatever. And she's just like boring. <laughs> where's, where's my Western the you drama? Know? And she wants the drama and the action, but then I'm not always sure that that's the best for her at that time because it can be agitating to her. Exactly. Yeah. I also have a, a security camera so that if I'm on a different level, uh, we have it upstairs, downstairs, if I'm, you know, doing office work or whatever, and she's upstairs, I would get an alert if she, you know, goes from one area to another, mm-hmm. just so that I know, you know, if she's okay and everything. Um, and, you know, during her, you know, first few hours of being awake, her number of times of moving is, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe once or twice an hour, she's shifting, going to the restroom, 
switching to a different book, yep. maybe a different place where she wants to read her book, whatever it is. Um, and then when she gets into that sundowning phase and starts mm -hmm. being more agitated, well, she can be up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. In 15 minutes, yes. she could be shifting, you know, 15 times. And it's like mm -hmm. she just can't get settled. And that's yeah. the point where I'm like, okay, we need a different activity, you know? So, Gotta go. <laughs> so what what can you do uh, for a person to help them in that moment of they're starting to get more confused, maybe more agitated and like, can, are there redirects that you can do to help with that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you really, you know, hit the nail on the head when you said we need a new activity. Mm -hmm. um, and you're taking notice that she is agitated and she's shifting around a lot. She's moving around a lot. Um, and of course, everybody is different. Um, but, you know, if you think about, okay, she needs movement. She clearly has something that she's trying to work out. She's trying to get out this energy. Um, and it could be anxiety too, or in just restlessness. Mm -hmm. um, but a supervised walk is always a good idea, especially if it's an area that's well lit, you know, it's safe. She's not going to trip on anything. Um, so getting her moving. And if you have somebody who's maybe more confused, but still really anxious. One thing that we uh, recommend is taking into account what they did in their adult life for work. So just as an example, like if they were a nurse and you see that this person's getting really agitated and, and they want to move and you know that they're a little disoriented or confused, you could kind of take that opportunity and redirect them and say, oh, okay, you know, this patient needs you in this room and in this room. And that may trigger some like, okay, I have, I have a purpose. I have to get moving and you can like supervise them as they start to move around it and work out some of this energy. Um, but if you weren't looking for something to get them moving, and this was more, I need to calm this person down because it's 9 PM and I don't want to be walking around for the next hour. Um, you know, think about, the things that soothe them and calm them down. Mm -hmm. If you know that the nice nature show is going to calm them down or music or even just like a head massage or a back rub or like physical touch, if those things work, use them to calm them down and redirect them to something that's much more quiet and calmer. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's, that's interesting because I know um, my mom really likes to fold laundry, and I have I have said to my partner a few times like oh, I might just you know take that that load of laundry and hand it to her every night. Why not? You know that it would just, yeah. Why not? And uh, you know she probably won't know that it's the same load of laundry that she folded yesterday. But it does seem to be soothing to her when she's got something to do and it's yep. not, she doesn't like crafts of, you know, so putting a puzzle together, drawing, painting, you know, any of those kinds of things, she, it's not her thing. She gets more got frustrated nope. with those. And it's almost like there's a way that you're supposed to do this and I'm probably not, and then she'll get agitated about that. Right. But folding, yeah. she's good. <clears throat> I'm, and she was a librarian, so now I'm thinking maybe I need a bookshelf the books make full sense, of yeah. books that just need to be put in order or something, you know, because yeah. she might really enjoy that. 
I don't know. It could be a yeah. frustration thing too, because you got alphabetization in there. I can't say that word, but you know, put them in alphabetical order. There, I can say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, or um, index cards. I'm just thinking. Oh, index I don't cards. Know where she is uh, in her, you know, symptoms and everything, but yeah, I think maybe index cards, and you get like a a long box. You can get one at Michaels. Yeah. Even and just kind of have her, you know, sort them or. Um, whatever she would do with them. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that's Putting them in the books, maybe, or writing on them. That's even better. We put cards in books. We'd be really old-fashioned. I mean, yeah. you know, she was a school librarian <laughs> back in the day when you were still using, you know, the the drawers, the, the index card yep. drawers. Mm-hmm. Um, that The name evades me now. The card catalog. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you were getting your book checked out with a rubber stamp and, you know, all yep. that kind of thing. So I wonder if we could yeah. do some returns processing or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, you can still, you can um, buy books at a library that may still, I've done this before, that have the Dewey Decibel numbers mm-hmm. on them. I wonder if she would still, like, sort them if you handed her a stack. It's possible. Say, you know? Yeah. Her, yeah. Hmm. So I'm going to go way back to the beginning. Uh, we've just been doing some brainstorming. This is what you do as a care counselor, right? Yep. You you do yep. this kind of brainstorming with the people who you help support yep. so that they can get something individualized for who they're taking care of and yep. what their needs are. Yes, yep. that is it. And it's a free service. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. So yep. I just thought I'd you know, beep that horn one more time about the yeah. resource that's available to people who are doing caregiving. Yep. So that's a help to caregivers, what you do. And so here with sundowning, you know, one of my questions is we've talked about what you can do for the person experiencing sundowning. What does a caregiver do for themselves to, to help during that moment of uh, those moments of sundowning? Because I know initially it was agitating to me. Like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really know what to do with it. Should I just roll with this? Am I supposed to do something? Am I doing the right thing? You know, all that. And then I would start worrying about that. And sometimes also it just was a little freaky because her connection to the here and now wasn't, you know, it wasn't there. Uh, And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And, and, you know, so it, it would just kind of freak me out. So what do caregivers do for themselves related to this yeah. sundowning? So um, when you said, you know, rolling with it, when somebody is much more confused and disoriented and agitated, and this says to you, okay, now this is sundowning, right? You've identified it. Um, generally, we say that rolling with it it's a lot easier said than done, especially when you're caring for a family member, right? Who you're used to communicating with a certain way for mm-hmm. so long, and now they're no longer oriented the same way that you are. Right. Um, so easier said than done, of course, but rolling with it is generally a lot better than trying to reorient them. Okay. Because at this point, you know, they're much more agitated. They're much more confused. And by you saying, hey, you know, it's me and they don't know you or where they are, 
what in a sense really they may feel invalidated and unheard Mm -hmm. and so now they were confused and they they heard you and they don't know what you're saying and so now they're more confused so it may just serve to increase their agitation by reorienting them now some people do respond to reorientation attempts um, but generally that may be when they're earlier in the stages um, or maybe they just have a a history of responding to reorientation Mm -hmm. attempts everybody's different um, but by just rolling with it and not trying to like do this uh, tug of war, right? Where you're trying to get them back into your reality, but they're not letting up and, and you're confused. And it's just, it just serves to like put more agitation and frustration on you and on them. So rolling with it, absolutely. Um, but in those, you know, sundowning times at this point, you've both had a really full day, right? right? You as a caregiver have gotten them up in the morning. You've fed them, bathed them, dressed them. You've done medications. You've done all these things around the house and you're tired and now they're tired because they've had to also keep up with you. Mm-hmm. So when they are experiencing more confusion and, and sundowning and you're, let's say, doing some type of hands-on care, and they're, they may start to swat at you, or you can sense that they're getting more agitated. Um, stepping back, I found that stepping back and giving myself the time out mm-hmm. have really helped me um, when I was doing some hands-on care. Just like putting my hands up and saying, okay, you know, we're both getting agitated. I need to collect myself. And if they're safe for the moment and you can step away and take your frustration out of their like environment and their sense you will be doing them a favor and you'll be doing yourself a favor too because by doing that tug of war and arguing it doesn't go anywhere right so you collect yourself you say okay i need to take a moment i need to collect my emotions i'm getting frustrated it's making them frustrated we're both dealing with this it's not their fault it's not your fault Give yourself some patience and some kindness, right? Because you're both doing this. Mm -hmm. And I try to tell folks that what you need to put into practice, in addition to patience, is not taking it personally. Right. Right. It can be really difficult to not take it personally when they're saying things to you. And even though you know, like, okay, this is a disease, it's not always easy to not take it personally. Right. Right. So put into practice, not taking it personally, giving yourself the space for some timeouts. If you need to scream into a pillow, that's totally okay. (laughs) Right. Um, And on a much more like long-term sustainability thought, if you know that they are more confused or disoriented, like between three and 8 PM, if you have the means for it, bring in respite, Mm -hmm. bring in somebody else to help. You know, if you have that resource, use it because it's, it will serve you in the long term, Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I found even a phone conversation, like you say, stepping away and then (laughs) having a conversation (laughs) with someone who is oriented in my reality, um, makes me calmer and also, uh, helps me feel less, um, pressured 
to bring her into my reality, right? To shift yeah. her. Mm -hmm. So as long as, I, I mean, if, it was just like, I need some normal conversation right now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that helps for me at least. Yeah. So, yeah. And giving myself a, a little break at that time out to collect myself. Yeah. And my biggest thing for remembering is one of the things you mentioned, which is to remind myself that this is not her fault because sometimes it does yeah. feel like, She's messing with me and she's yeah. not at all. You know, this is just that she, her own brain is tripping her up and, uh, yeah. you know, she's doing the best she can. But in the moment, sometimes I forget that and taking that step away, um, does allow yeah. me to go, Oh, you're right. Right. This is a disease. She can't do anything about this. And it helps me yeah. to roll with it better. But yeah, right. I definitely get frustrated at times and, uh, forget yeah, for a minute to step away. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's family, you right. know, it's yeah. 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 Well, and sometimes it's been like, uh, my, my mom, uh, was a very, uh, what, strong, uh, strong willed <laughs> person. I mean, she's, she's sassy <laughs> and she's strong willed. Um, but as mm -hmm. a parent, you know, there were, there was very clear, expectations about you are going to do what I say. And then, so, yeah. you know, I've, I've sometimes fed that back to her, you know, like, mom, <laughs> you need to do what I say. You know, and it's just yep. like, so silly. Like we're st still playing from dynamics that are, you know, decades old and I have to mm -hmm. laugh at myself and go, that's silly. You know, she doesn't need any of that <laughs> and it doesn't help me either. So, um, so, um, you know, on a daily basis, does the sundowning pattern change uh, based on all of these elements and factors that we were talking about, or does it stay fairly specific? Because I know it doesn't seem to hit the same time of the day all the time. It's common uh, to hit right around the five o'clock time, you know, so mm -hmm. we try and eat dinner at five because by six, <clears throat> oftentimes she'll not really be able to hold a conversation that makes okay. a bunch of sense. And, and I've noticed that on the days that she's more tired, the sundowning gets significant quicker. Yes. Um, so we can be having an, you know, what seems like a normal conversation. Um, and 15 minutes later, she is, you know, back in her high school, um, yeah you know, and talking about people on TV as if they're in the room and, you know, it's just like 15 minutes and boom, she's not connected anymore. So is it, are there patterns yeah. like that, that it's like yeah, a cliff certainly. and it's not a, not a, you know, yep. slope. Yep. Absolutely. You can see the change, like you said, just as it's like minutes, right. Where you see, okay, they were oriented and doing well. And then now it's, you know, they're somewhere completely different. Mm -hmm. um, so that's absolutely normal. Okay. Especially when you think about the time of the day too, right? And we talked about fatigue and, you know, it could be that the last conversation that she had just, that's what, you know, that was the edge, right? Mm -hmm. And now she's, she's tired. She's reached her limit. Um, but it does, you know, 
change. It can change day to day. We talked about some of the different factors that tie into what triggers it. Um, you know, maybe she didn't get enough sleep the night before, or, you know, maybe it, it could even be like something random during the day. Like she ate something and it just didn't agree with her. Mm-hmm. And now she's maybe she has a headache or her, you know, she has like a toothache. So it really could be any factors, um, which makes it harder to anticipate. But I think with sundowning, you do get a little bit of a, well, you, there's some pattern to it. So you can kind of anticipate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will change as her behaviors and symptoms change too, and in her functions as well. So, you know, I, I don't know too much about her, um, you know, what she can do now or mm-hmm. what she used to be able to do and can't do anymore. But just generally, you know, if somebody, they were ambulatory, they could move very well. And then, you know, down the line, they couldn't anymore. Well, the sundowning behaviors will change with that. Okay. Um, so maybe they were like a pacer and they would pace anxiously. And now it's, you know, maybe rubbing um, or some other repetitious behavior to help get that energy out. Um or maybe, you know, they could communicate verbally and tell you what was going on or, or say something to you, even if it didn't make sense. And now, as it changes, it becomes more just sounds, okay. not words, just sounds, um, or more like, you know, gestures with their hands or with their body. Um, and as, you know, some other functions change and abilities change, it might even just be, you know, we talked about shutting down that blank stare. Um, and that's how, you know, like, okay, this is what their sundowning behavior looks like now. It's, I know that they're tired because they just shut down. Mm -hmm. So it can change. Absolutely. The pattern can change. The symptoms can change too. Okay. Yeah. So where my mom is now, there are probably three hours ish of the evening where she's much less oriented than, uh, yeah. you know, earlier in the day. Um, and yet if she were to go to bed earlier, mm-hmm. you know, then it would throw her whole cycle off. Yeah. So it's almost like, okay, so we've got these three hours need to have something in them so she can be awake and as yeah least agitated as she can be, but she's also least oriented as she's going to be during the day. So how do you fill that time with something that doesn't make it worse and, you know, for, for everyone. That can be really tough because when she's not as oriented, she's more confused, maybe more prone to agitation that, you know, comes out towards you and then you get frustrated. Um, I think that earlier when you talked about having her do like the folding laundry, um, I think that would be good in this space where you're not trying to make it worse, um, but you don't want to put her to bed. Right. Right. Um, So having her do the folding laundry or if she is up and moving, I don't know how she would respond to like, if you handed her like a duster Mm -hmm. and say, okay, here you go. And she may just stand there and, kind of orchestrate the air, but, um, you know, giving her something to do like that. Um, and, you know, too, we talked about uh, sitting with them and just being with them, talking to them, 
Um, flipping through, if you have photo albums, that would be good too during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book, you know. Right. Um, she wouldn't necessarily have to read anything. Right. So I think maybe looking at like pictures here. I don't know. She may think that's boring if she thinks that TV program. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Or or yeah. it just would be a whole lot of Q and A. But I mean, yeah. You know, because she typically will ask questions when she's looking at photos. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can see how that would be a fairly relaxing activity for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she can or, weave um, whatever stories into it as she wants. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there you go. Or if you think, um, I don't know if she is a storyteller. Like, if you get her talking, she'll just talk. Um, but what might be a, kind of a fun activity is having her tell stories mm-hmm. and recording them. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we do a podcast, then, so definitely can oh, do that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, some other things, too, are, like, if she likes snacks, um, maybe, like, a nice milkshake or some type of shake, you know, closer to the end of those three hours, uh-huh. um, you know, that might be something, too. And if she's up and moving, you could make them together and enjoy them together. Um, yeah. 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 That is definitely chocolate cookie time. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies are her favorite. And there you uh, go. <laughs> so we, we don't overindulge, but that's definitely when that's happening. So are there, um, are there any medications or brain exercises that help re- reduce the impact of sundowning? Yeah. So, um, some people will be prescribed, a couple different medications um, that aren't specific to dementia. So oh. somebody may be prescribed like an antidepressant mm-hmm. or an anti-anxiety medication right. or a sleeping aid. Um, some people may even see, you know, antipsychotics. It just depends on their behaviors and the severity of those behaviors. Okay. Um, some other things too, people may take melatonin. Mm-hmm. Uh, to help them sleep. I've heard caregivers say that this works or doesn't work. It's kind of hit or miss with melatonin and dementia. Um, But two along the lines of medications, there are some things that can be done to existing medications to make sleep disturbances less likely. Okay. Um, So for example, with Aricept, if it's taken at night, one of the side effects of Aricept taken at night is like increased sleep disturbances Mm. and um, nightmares, I think too. Mm So if you feel it's appropriate talking to their doctor about, are there different times that we could be taking these medications because their sleep is really impacted, their behaviors are worse, uh, you know, around this time of the day, and I'm really looking for ways to keep them calmer Mm -hmm. um, at night. So thinking about, you know, when medications are taken, and if there's any other interactions that are going on, um, that's worth exploring. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned about Aricept. Um, Denazepil, I think, is the way to say the mm. generic. Um, mm. And we definitely shifted, with the help of her uh, neurologist and general physician, shifted um, the Aricept to the first part of her waking day instead of the mm-hmm. end. And it did that did help. It, yeah, it, she was more alert and and connected yeah. during the day and less sleep disturbance, you know, than after yeah. also. So. Yeah, that was interesting to me. It wasn't a change in the medication. It was just a change in the timing. Yeah. And uh, so it was more to talk about. Uh, I know, um, trying to think, it was 
which of her doctors also wanted something to happen with the um, antidepressant because of that agitation okay. and settling yes. that down. But then that was also impacting sleep. And so yep. they did a, you know, a little tweak to that and it helped. <laughs> so yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the fact that, you know, her doctors have been working together. I mean, they really, yeah. um, they really want her to be as successful as possible. And, you know, so they've, they've been uh, very good about interacting with each other to bring Excellent. the best level of care for her. I, I just totally appreciate that. That's yeah. That's amazing. So what, what kinds of things does a, a caregiver need to think about safety wise for the person that's sundowning? Cause it seems like wandering would be a real much higher potential in this time. Absolutely. Especially if that person has a history of pacing, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would absolutely be on the lookout for wandering or, you know, those little um, hints that something may be coming, like wandering may be coming. So in terms of safety, if you haven't already proofing the house against wandering, so we're thinking about, um, you know, installing locks on the door that are out of the line of sight. Mm -hmm. Because when, you know, you're going through the progression of dementia, if it's not in your line of sight, it doesn't really exist. Okay. So if you put a lock higher or lower on the door, um, that can help, you know, prevent wandering. Um, some people even find that putting a mat in front of the door that's really dark, like a, a dark black mat in front of the door sometimes looks like a hole okay. to people with dementia. And that might divert them away from the door. Um, camouflaging doors, maybe, it, you know, there's fire regulations and safety things to consider with that. Um, but, you know, it may be appropriate to camouflage a door. You know, making it look like a bookcase or something like yeah. that. Um, and there's even some, like almost the childproof doorknobs right. that you can put yep. that make it hard to open and close. And door alarms and things to alert you when they're going in and out. Um, so wandering absolutely is, is a big concern. Um, but outside of wandering, you know, if they get agitated in the evenings and you as a caregiver are like, okay, we're going to do a bath in the evening time, but you know that's when they get agitated. To me, that could pose a potential safety risk, mm -hmm. right? Because if they're agitated and you become flustered, it could become a fall risk, right. depending on the, the um, setup of how the bath or the shower is done. Um, and again, you know, with agitation and, and anger, we could too think about combativeness. It's not always going to happen, but it could. Mm -hmm you know, um, where you get swatted or, um, I've had where people latch on and, and don't let go. Um, and by working to reduce their exposure to this nonverbal stress and anxiety that you may be feeling, or that's around them in the environment, like in the news or some programs that are you know, full of drama and, and violence, maybe, and they pick up on that, that could help reduce that agitation that they feel that could potentially lead to combativeness. It doesn't always, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's different. Um, but I do feel that some caregivers are concerned about that. Right. If it, you know, if their anger could turn into combativeness. Um, yeah. So this is, you know, when we talk about safety, it's a two-sided coin. You know, we're talking about keeping them safe and keeping you as a caregiver safe too. 
Um, so, you know, if you are feeling tired in the evenings, you've had a full day, right? And your back is starting to hurt. Mm-hmm. You've been up and moving the whole day. Um, and now you have to help move them throughout the house or do some physical lifting. Can we get them to bed earlier? Um, how do we make it easier for them to move around the house that doesn't pose a risk to you and your health? Because you, you know, if your back is hurting, your legs are tired, that's a risk too. You know, you could fall or, um, you know, when uh, lifting somebody, I think there's opportunities there for something to go wrong too, if you are physically tired. Um, So again, it's a two-sided coin. That's, that's a good point. And I hadn't even thought about the safety for the caregiver, but absolutely. Yeah. So is there any research that you know, that's been going on that is anticipated related to sundowning? You know, I couldn't find any like specific named trials or research around sundowning, but there's definitely research done around behaviors mm-hmm. like agitation and confusion. Um, so just to give you some context for the association, about 15% of the research projects that we're involved in, in some way, it could be funding, it could be in other ways, um, have to do with drug and non-drug interventions for people with dementia. Um, And outside of that, you know, clinical interventions category, the biggest percentage of research projects that we do, um, the largest category is about dementia care. So researching technologies to improve dementia care and um, improve how it's diagnosed and assessed. Okay. Um, So kind of like, you know, along those lines, talking about research, the earlier that you start talking about cognitive changes, the earlier you get assessed and diagnosed, the earlier you can get involved in these clinical trials that could help you long-term. Um, so we always push for people to t- start talking about changes with their doctor as soon as you start to notice them. Okay. Yeah. Good. Claudia, is there anything else that you feel should be talked about related to sundowning just in general, maybe even just a recap of the key points or. Sure. Um, So I think, you know, bottom line, sundowning can be frustrating. It's frustrating for the person experiencing it. It's frustrating for the caregiver, um, the family, but extending yourself some grace and some patience um, that you extend to the person you care for, just also turn that inward, Mm -hmm. right? Um, there are things out there to help and it's not always going to be a hundred percent every single time, you know, it's going to be trial and error. It may work one day. A solution may work one day. It may not work the next, yep. um, but working with, that. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but working with your care team, working with people who are there to support you, um, you know, they're there for you and it's doable. This is, this is manageable. Great. Claudia, thank you again for being here with us and helping me better understand sundowning because it's been a trip. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take care. All right. You too. And thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. So hi, Jordan. 
Hello. Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. How are you doing? I'm glad to be here. I'm doing good. Good. Doing good. Excellent. It's a nice day out and it's a good day to talk. And we have old fashioned. And we have whiskey. Yes. So I'm rethinking all of my life choices prior to this because all my other interviews have been on Zoom and I can't share a drink with anybody. Yeah. And here you are in person. This it's, is great. It's nice to be in the flesh and blood. Yeah. I think Zoom is helpful for about five minutes. Mm. I think I learned that during COVID real fast. That yeah. Zoom is just, no, no, props to Zoom. Props to Zoom, right. Because I couldn't have done any, yeah. any interviews without it. So. It's hard to have that emotional connection, the bonding, when it's just Zoom, though. Yeah. Mm. True. Mm. So... Jordan, you have been in the caregiving <clears throat> space mm -hmm. and maybe say a little bit about yeah, you know, your I, experience. Yeah, I got my, my very first job was actually at a nursing home in a kitchen back in uh, 19, 1900s. Imagine <laughs> that. It was like 1997. There's a fine place called Porter Hills and I worked in the kitchen for I think three years and and then it seems like I transitioned into um, assisted living care. Mm -hmm. And their dad did that. Oh man, I think twelve, almost. Oh man, ten years of that. Okay. And then I transitioned again into more of a long term care, and then did that for maybe an additional two years. Okay. And that was a, probably the end of. I think I had kids by that point, so it was getting hard to take care of. Uh, elderly people and go home and have diapers to change. It was got really hard. So, right. Because you had people at home. I had people at home. Little people at home at that point. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah. And your mom is in the <clears throat> caregiving space. Yeah, my mom has been doing a lot of uh, administrative work in long-term care for mm -hmm. many, many, many years. And so she's the person you see for all things resident placement, um, maybe some financial support support on just what to do next steps with your mom or dad going into a home when they've been at home all this time now oh, something happened and mom or dad can't be alone anymore mm -hmm. she's the person that you would talk to and then i'd be the person to come in and do um a lot of the care with depending on where i was working at the time again it was porter hills but most of my job was learning how to journey with people at the end of life Okay, and that is it is it's special, but it's also it's it can be very very uh, exhausting. There, there's right, you know. I think people. I think when you talk about uh, dementia and, and Alzheimer's, and um, there's still a person tied to that, and I think we forget that this isn't something that's going to really be curable. I think most of us have the idea that we can take some Advil. You know, take mm -hmm. Tylenol and it'll go away. And but unfortunately, with with your brain and that particular disease, it it tends to unwind further and further, and that's the hard part. Right. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I was just uh, doing an interview about sundowning, <clears throat> and mm -hmm. you talked about how things kind of go downhill. Yeah. And sundowning is kind of like that every day mm -hmm. you know this person is kind of doing well relatively speaking yeah is yeah. fairly oriented mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they don't know where they are yep 
I was, and, and I was really thrown by yeah. this whole concept. I had never heard about sundowning mm-hmm. before. Yeah. I didn't either until I got a job working with people who had sundowning. And I think mm-hmm. one thing I'll back up and say, and this is really more just a personal experience, I think most people have sundowning. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> you know, if you were to ask me about my day, the beginning of my day, and then ask me about how it went at the end of my day, I'm, I'm probably slightly different. Hi, just peeking in. Hi. <laughs> we we are actually recording right now. Oh well, goodbye. Okay. Did you need something though? Huh? No. Okay. I'm just making my presence known. Okay. I love that you did that right now. Because <laughs> she's the best. Exactly. I just want to write music about it um, right now. <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, I washed all the dishes and all the pans. Well, and, thank you. Yeah. All right. Your mom is incredible. She is. <laughs> Can Thank you, you can you close that bedroom door though? This right here. Huh? No, and that one right there. I'm not sure how that one got open. No, no, neither. Yeah. Goodbye. Hopefully there's not a cat in there. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> she is funny. <laughs> I'll ask you this later. I didn't know people know where you are in the moment when you do your podcast and what's going on in your life. Yeah, so they do and don't. Okay. Um, I mean, I've never really described the basement area mm-hmm. that I've set up as my office and where a lot of the recording equipment is, my drum set and, you know, some other, my living spaces downstairs, yeah. essentially. And so, you know, my mom, Ginger, mm-hmm. usually spends her time upstairs. Mm-hmm. And if I need to retreat for a minute, you know, I'm down here and, and if, if she needs something, she's going to come find me. Yeah. So, and sometimes it's just to check in and make sure she's not by herself. So, here's what I'll say that is a good example of sundowning that isn't always violent. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think I'll even use your mom as an example. You know, I think part of the sun setting, the kids come home, the lights come on. I think it's natural as a parent to, to think, what's next on the list of things to do for my kid? You know, for me, it's setting up you know uh, lunches it's homework it's i get tied back into some stuff i have to do as a parent that won't ever go away right they'll be out in the world making a loud noise someday and i'm and i'll still have the urge to you know essentially take care of them Mm -hmm. and in some weird way i love the cat (laughs) i thought was she in there oh yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for getting her out. Okay. Okay. You can close that other door now, too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes, there is. And so, to stay, keep myself on track, I think she just she's doing what she's always done, man, is to look after you. Yes. And, and that's no different with, with, you know, residents in a nursing home who are probably brought together into a group. So, maybe... So, I where I worked, uh, I think it was... Uh, 15, 15 different rooms. And uh, not everyone had a sundowning episode, but there were times when you noticed, hey, it's time to go home. This isn't home. And mm-hmm. that's when you would run into a lot of issues with, uh, you know, hey, you can't leave. You got to stay here. You know, oh, I'm going to go find my wife or my or my, or my husband or uh, my daughter. Or usually it's someone's dog or a cat. It's always a pet. It was always a pet. And I think where caregivers get caught in the... Uh, 
uncertainty is when you push back too much mm-hmm. and that's when you know I've, I've been punched before totally I didn't even see a common guy his name was Chet and he I think he was a, an ex-marine and I could tell because he, he <laughs> got me got me good and I was young and I and I didn't realize you know you really don't want to correct people again even even now though talking to you I wouldn't people don't want to be corrected in the wrong way mm-hmm. that doesn't change because you have dementia or Alzheimer's right you know and so, anyway, but to your point about sundowning, you know, I, I, the majority of time I spent at Porter Hills, there was a good chunk of sundowning. But I think if we had activities or things planned out, that would help. Would right. Help, you know, and maybe something as simple as walking and getting outside. We were really blessed to have a courtyard that was kind of fenced off. And so mm-hmm. we were able to go out and, and, and sit outside. And maybe that felt like going somewhere because when they came in they were tired and wanted to go to bed so it just depended on where they were in their progression with unfortunately most of the residents we had had a, a version of alzheimer's or dementia and so yeah it's a big thing it's a real thing it's something to be prepared for i, th- I think they do have meds for it too but i still think back to my first point i think we all have a version of sundowning mm-hmm. uh, we change we change. The, we, we're going to The light bulb change. dims. Mm-hmm. And you're probably tired. Yep. Depending on what you did the day before. I know I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and again, I should mention, when I when I did most of my work with um, long-term care, this was, you know, 2000, uh, a good chunk of 2002 through 2012, 13. Mm-hmm. So... 10, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, years before COVID. Right. So I only can imagine how COVID made things really, really complicated right. in terms of being proximity changed for everyone. Now you're... And, and so... Mm-hmm. What you were saying about the planned activity helping, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's a point for Ginger where she's just kind of not real with it any longer you know i mean she's connected Mm -hmm. to something in the past usually from her teenage years Mm -hmm. late elementary yeah uh but trying to activate her in the moment with something current does it work as well at that point it's tough yeah i had a resident i took care of actually uh for about a year and a half in 2017 and 18 Mm -hmm. and some in 19 too and i it was more just i would drop in three times a week and his wife would leave she'd go have fun and i would take care of this person we'd go out and 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 i bring that up because even though it was during the day i think for one his love for his wife was always the thing on his mind Mm -hmm. so he always had to know he was going to go back to her and so to your point about hey when something's on their mind they're doing something Mm -hmm. it's helpful but it's not always like you can distract that right i took care of this particular person more midday but there was still some sundown. Right. Oh, my god. I'm always surprised, you know, oh because my gosh. I think yeah. when I first heard about sundowning, and I hadn't been familiar with it at all until 2019, um, I really did think it had to do with the sun going down. Mm-hmm. And it, it is later in the day, but, you know, it when it's 4 o'clock and bright and sunny, mm-hmm. Ginger will still have <clears throat> some sundowning yeah. starting mm-hmm. right then. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she'll only have been up and really doing anything for four or five hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just how her, you know, her battery is just, uh, 
It doesn't stay charged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We live in the mitten state called Michigan, and here when it gets to be, you know, winter, winter, it gets dark early and it stays dark longer. Yes, that was always just a hard man. I think I had friends who were nurses and CNAs, and I had friends who were. I had two friends who were actually surgeons. The discussion never changed to like it's something about you know less sunlight and how that really affected human behavior mm-hmm. on the caregiver, but especially, you know, your, your residents, the people who are living in these facilities, it was just, it was like, man, this is really hard. It was really hard. Sundowning didn't have nothing on no sun all day. Right. You know, and <laughs> right. Gosh, it was just, cause you always think you're in the wrong spot. Um, and meaning the residents typically when I worked with them, they were capable, they were physical, they were able to do things without having to have, you know, a walker. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have a lot of, of um, people who couldn't move around without help. And so they're leaving. <laughs> they're right. leaving. And, and so it, when it became winter, it became really challenging to keep people in one spot and trying to maintain, one, safety. And then, two, just, hey, you know, this is, this is, this is home for now. I'd always say it's home for now. Well, that's, well, a good, you know, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. I, I always try to, I don't know how I say this. I didn't want to shut them down. I, I, I always thought of communication as like a flowing river and I didn't want to be a dam mm-hmm. in the way. And so even now if my own kids do that now, and but even then I, I think it was helpful for me, you know, if they're looking for a cat, I wouldn't say, you don't have a cat. I would just, you know, tell me about your cat or, you know, my husband, he was here and I'm thinking the husband's probably been gone for a long time, mm-hmm. but they're still talking like this person is, you know, at D and W, you know, and they're not. And, but, but I, I would always start with, well, tell me about him. What's, what's something he likes to do? Uh, did he, did he, you know, was he, what was he into Lawrence Welk? Did he play music or did he go golf? Everyone golf. And so apparently in the fifties and sixties, that was a thing. Right. But, uh, but that helped. And before you know it, you've had a 20 minute discussion about this person's husband. The resident is ready to move on to something else. They're fine. And you're a safe place. Right. I would always, I would always argue, I know they don't remember you, but they remember you. Mm-hmm. I always felt like, um, the, the presence, you know, a touch, you say so much more non-verbally than you do verbally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all do. We all do it. And I don't know about you, but I've had moments where someone just, I didn't feel comfortable with this person. Uh, I didn't, maybe a vibe or an energy. And that doesn't go away because you're 90. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't go away because you're 80. So some caregiver, maybe the third shifter, second shifter, left somebody in a, in a, in a funk. You're going to get some of that. Right. But it's not because of what they said verbally. It's probably how they treated them. Mm-hmm. You know? And so... Again, I would always try to keep communication just like a flowing river. It didn't always work. Sometimes you you call for reinforcements. We had a nurse who had uh, uh, medications, and sometimes that was you know that that was a safety issue. They get combative maybe or okay. But most of the time, I got called into the big stuff. Hey, call Jordan. He'll he'll come down and talk talk Dorothy <laughs> off the ledge here. That I got that a lot for a lot of years, but. It wasn't anything magical. I just really did my best to um, just see them mm-hmm. you know, and just be in, a, be in a space with them. And, you know, I don't like to correct people. Yeah. I think the first thought is an, an accurate one. Your husband's gone and you miss him. And something don't 
quite feel right. Right. And you can't help what your mind is doing to you, you know. That's mm-hmm. the thing mm-hmm. I often feel badly about. Yeah. You know, and when uh, my mom goes into the sundowning mode, she'll often talk about wanting to go home. Yeah. And this is the home that, you know, she lived in assisted mm-hmm. living for a year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she had lived in this house for 34 prior to that. Wow. And now a, she- again, a mm-hmm. year and a half uh, since that. And so it's really interesting to me that, when she talks about wanting to go home, mm-hmm. she doesn't remember all those 30 years of history with wow. this house. If we take out the, you know, the photographs mm-hmm. and show the building of the house and mm-hmm. them visiting it in different stages of development, she'll remember that kind of, but she it's kind of like she doesn't buy it. Yeah. You know, like I see the pictures, but it's still not home. It's not quite. Yeah. She's talking about a house that she lived in when she was in junior high mm-hmm. and uh wow. you know mm-hmm. for her that's the house and that's we, we went to yeah. her uh high school reunion a little while ago and uh you know it's in hudsonville really and so i have, I have so many whole, questions whole bunch of 80 year olds you know <laughs> so many questions and uh <laughs> it was interesting because i, I took her uh yearbook with her, her mm-hmm. senior book mm-hmm. so that we could look up people what they looked like at yeah. that time when she was sitting down and talking to them. And that really did help. Wow. Because she, re- at that point, she would remember classes that they had together or whatever. Um, and then we drove past that house. Mm-hmm. And it was a different color. But it was in the same spot, shaped the same and all that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, my goodness. You know. And, uh, you know, it seemed like she really mm-hmm. wanted to reconnect with it. But then once we actually got close to it, she was like, oh. Yeah, I don't recognize that anymore. Wow. I mean, I, I see that that's not home anymore. Mm. So that was an interesting moment. Yeah, you know, that's tough to hear that. I, I would always want to at least hope in my heart. Maybe, well, I'll say it like this. I know that the brain, as as it deteriorates, there's only so much that the... Um, the space that controls your language, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of recall. And I know sometimes it, the the words to remember what the house is, they're just not there. Mm-hmm. So it may come out as something else, you know, very random words. And that by that point, they're, they've progressed quite a bit. But I used to always hope that they at least remembered like my touch or a presence. Um, I had one lady, I, I, her name was Ava, and she she was pretty... She had a rough time moving past the stage of, you know, having, you know, assisted help to being needing a lot of help. Mm-hmm. But you put her in front of a piano, she played any piece of music flawlessly. Mm. It just used to floor me. And I was actually was a student uh, at our community college at the time, and I, ha- I was always doing guitar, and I, I still play guitar. And I played piano a little bit. But I had all this sheet music that I would study for tests, and I'd bring it in, and she'd be like, "Well, I can, I can play that." And, and she would, and it was note for note, like. And there's one thing to do music and have to practice, but then you can sight read like that on the spot. Mm. I thought, like, how do you, how do you, you don't even know my name? Well, you know, you don't even remember that you're married. And her husband was actually still alive, um, but you can play the piano like this. It was, it was like, I don't. How does that work? Explain that to me. You know, that's interesting because, um, 
Ginger and I have been, uh, it's Ginger's gig, but I, I go along. Uh, hi, Socks. You're trying to come in again. The cat just opened the door. The cat just, just opened wanna, the slider door. I want to point that out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's the only one who can do that. Her sister cannot do okay. that. That's a, okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. Her sister will just hang around and wait for Socks to open the door nope. so that she can also go in. <laughs> She'll lay on her back and get her paws wedged underneath and slide it over. It's hilarious. Uh, so we've been volunteering over at the assisted living near us mm-hmm. and in the memory care units. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I heard, because we're doing this reading roundtable, okay. is that reading and music are two of the last things to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if, like... Uh, word recall is mm-hmm. really sketchy. Yeah, their ability to yeah. read I might still that. be solid. I believe that, and and their recognition of music or singing, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently playing. Mm-hmm. I I hadn't thought it'd be that dramatic. Oh man, it but was really special. It's interesting that mm-hmm. music and reading would be mm-hmm. two things that hang on. All right, socks. We're just going to be weird and let you in. It's because I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's not a, it's not a Zoom call. Yeah, it's not a Zoom call. Yeah, she wants to perform. <laughs> Got she wants special attention. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I'd, I'd add an, uh, I would add on to that and I've only been able to see so much of that and I have so many stories and we'll be here for hours, but it's interesting what they do remember. Mm-hmm. People remember in that part of life. I do have one other person I can think of. Her name was Liz, and I did her eulogy actually when she passed, which was really hard for me, but I was happy to do it. But she was an English teacher, and man, she she had a love for books and and uh, particularly philosophy. Mm-hmm. And she really could. She really did read all this stuff. We'd go and take these trips to uh, how was it? Uh, Schuler's books and music, yeah, yeah. right? And have nice coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd take a group with me, and most of the ladies I took would just have coffee and cookies, and but not Liz. She'd get up and leave her walker and go walk off and find, I swear, like, I don't know, like 10 of the heaviest books and buy them. But she really would read this stuff. And it's like, man, do you know what you're reading? And she would kind of give me a thesis, you know. A, Interesting. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know? Okay. And... Ah oh, man, I, I had so many stories with her, and there's been so many people who have touched me. It's it's it's. I'd be here for hours doing going over this, but <clears throat> so so yeah. the things mm-hmm. I heard from you about sundown. Yep, yep. Was uh, conversation is a flowing river. Don't be a dam. Yeah, that's important. And mm-hmm. you maybe didn't say specific words, but I heard the sentiment of gentle redirection not correction yeah one thing i tried to do is you want to be able to be at someone's eye level Mm. and if you don't want to be a threat they say if you can kind of actually come down so i'd sit in a chair and Mm -hmm. talk if they're gonna stand up i would sit down sometimes Mm -hmm. and talk and look up and because in some way you know i was in my 30s or 20s and this person is still in some way you know much much older than me and much wiser than me and has lived life longer than me and so I try to, to to respect that, and I think little things go a long way. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one when you redirect someone. The, the the first and the biggest goal really is their own safety. 
Right. It's not to make life easier for you as a caregiver. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. <laughs> yep. But it's it's not about you. It, it really is about them and their safety and just trying to get them to to I don't know get back to a, a, a different flow of rhythm. Hopefully something that they can do and without much effort. But you, everyone's different. Everyone has a different story, different life experience and so how you redirect these certain people will have to change be creative but the big one for me yeah was just keeping keeping the flow open tell me about that let's ask them well, okay well i haven't seen a cat today but what color is it what's mm-hmm. it do or you know mm-hmm. one guy had a car he had a corvette and he was always looking for his corvette and i was like really let's go look <laughs> you know <laughs> oh man yeah, I kind of I, I do miss that job. I do miss it. Huh. Yep. Well, thanks so much for being here Thank and you talking about me. sundowning. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. been it's been a real pleasure, man. Hi, mom. How are you? Good. Good. So. Have you heard the word sundowning before? I have. And what does that mean to you, the word sundowning? Oh, as the day goes by and you're doing different things that you normally do. Um, if, so I, I, for me, what happens is um, I'm not... I'm no longer interested in small details of okay. things. All right. And um, I, I know I'm getting really tired, mm-hmm. and so I'm probably heading for bed. Okay. Interesting. And do you know that during that time you often get more confused? Yeah. Can you feel that? Oh, yeah. Okay. What kinds of things happen for you when... You're getting tired. Well, one of the main things is I forget that I was going to call so-and-so before I went to bed because I'm, I'm, I have to let her know something. Okay. So it's that type of thing. Okay. So. So you forget some things. Yeah, not often. Okay. Do you remember getting confused about where things are? As a result of sundowning. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm impressed that you remember the word <laughs> and have a fairly useful understanding of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think a lot of people with Alzheimer's experience sundowning, but may not know what to call it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's easy. Okay. Um, I think one of the things when, as I'm getting ready, I'm thinking about tomorrow, mm-hmm. which, which clothing am I going to be wearing? Um, is there anything else that I want to recall mm-hmm. or can I wait until tomorrow for that? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of questions. So if I asked you right now where your bedroom is. Oh, I would know that. Could you describe it? 
It's where it always is. <laughs> okay. All right. Last night, you were thinking you weren't at home and that you needed to get in the car and go someplace that was home. Right. And that happens to you fairly often when you're sundowning, so in the evenings. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you may not remember that all the time, experiencing that, but... Well, in that, actually, that particular situation, I was asking about what what are we wearing? Mm-hmm. And then looking around and saying, who's taking these clothes home? Mm-hmm. First of all, I didn't want them wasted. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why it wasn't included. It was not making sense to me. Gotcha. And if it doesn't make sense, then I, do I have a person that I can go to? And in, can that person help me verbalize what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. So, and basically, in that situation, I was in bed. There were people kind of coming and going in there because... Everybody needed to know where they needed to be mm-hmm. in the morning. Okay. So I understood that. But the one thing I didn't understand, and I verbalized that, was who gets to wear stuff and who doesn't, or um, should I be wearing such and such uh, tomorrow? Right. And what time? And, None of that was clear. I would say that's the other thing that often I observe when you're sundowning is you get worried about things. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to ask questions that sometimes I can't satisfy you with the answer. (laughs) Yeah, and that was true of several people who I had... I thought, why why am I not doing this in a way that... These people are mad at me because I'm taking up their time. <laughs> and that was, it was hard because I thought, what the heck, whatever, this is what I'm going to do. If they don't like it, too bad. Well, that is your personality. <laughs> you pretty much taught me that. <laughs> I call it sassy. Well, but that's fine. And I didn't want to be nasty. No, you're not nasty. You can be sassy and sarcastic, though. We all can. Yeah. And I give it back to you sometimes. Oh, uh, yeah. But I know if I give it to you, you're going to give it right back to me. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So when you are feeling confused in the evenings, if you're sundowning, how can I help? What would be helpful to you when you're getting more confused? Well, since you are sympathetic to that, um, I would probably go to you first if you were available. What could I do for you if you came to me? Be a little more patient than the other people are. Okay. (laughs) Well, the other people is probably me when I'm not being as patient. So, to be honest, when... Sometimes when that happens and I'm not sure what to do, I have gotten frustrated because I don't know what to do for you. 
because my answer is not satisfying you. And so it's easy to get frustrated. Well, yesterday, everybody's getting ready to go, which surprised me. I didn't know that this day was any different than any other day. Mm-hmm. And so um, as I'm hearing all different points of information, um, it was becoming clear to me. And I thought, I asked things like, were we going, like, do I need my, my swimsuit with me? so that I could easily get at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody could tell me. I don't know why. Mm. And so stuff like that just makes me a little nuts. Okay. So I was talking to my counselor about the times that I have gotten frustrated, and she was saying that focusing in on your feeling rather than the lack of any logic, would probably be satisfying. Uh, So, accepting that you are feeling worried about something is better than trying to talk you out of being worried using logic. You're usually very logical, but well, when you get I, confused, then the logic kind of goes away. Goes away, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we will continue to work on how to help you most when you are sundowning and feeling confused. Sound good? Yeah, it does. Well, again, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome, too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with Alzheimer's. Please visit the Living with Alzheimer's website at lwalz.com, where you can subscribe to the show and find all the resources we discuss in podcast episodes. We'll see you next time on the Living with Alzheimer's podcast.